Photography chat with Merlin. Photography chat with Merlin. Welcome to another episode of Photography Chat. Um, we're on episode 20, season 3, and we've got uh, Kirsten? Kirsten. Kristen. You can Kristen. call me Chris. Okay, we've got Chris uh, coming from Dallas, Texas. Uh, we'll give her, what is this? Is this the applause? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, all your adoring fans. <laughs> Do you want to take a sec to uh, say hi to the folks and uh, let them know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi friends. I see a lot of people I know, but um, I'm a tattoo artist in Dallas. Texas. I also own the Lone Star Darkroom, and I do a bunch of film developing and shoot a lot of film as well. That's really exciting. How long have you been uh, tattooing for? Um, I started tattooing the summer of 2020, so a couple of years now. Okay. Was that like a, a COVID kind of thing? or? Yeah, it was definitely my COVID hobby. I think some other people did things like crocheting and knitting, and I kind of got a little extreme, but... <laughs> You're like, I want to stab people. Yeah, I was like, exactly. <laughs> nice. And you've been running Darkroom, I'm mean, our uh, Lone Star for quite some time, right? Yeah, I've been a member for probably about four or five years, and then I've owned it for probably about two or three years. Oh, whoa. So you, you bought it? Yes. I was a member for a while, and um, I went up for sale, and I watched some um, people who weren't very fit try to buy it and I very selfishly was like no no let me do it because I want to keep coming here <laughs> that's fair I mean that's a very noble thing to do and it's important to uh, keep the community alive for sure yeah so what what um, what got you started with photography um, I went to school for painting and illustration but originally I was pre-med and I changed my major after one week of school and the only classes that were left were photography classes and I think prior to that, I kind of really hated photography in general. <laughs> um, but I was like, whatever, I'll take photography, fine, I'll just push a button for a semester. Um, the first class I took was digital, and um, a couple of the girls showed me how to use my camera, and I think like everything just kind of clicked. I was like, ISO, exposure. Oh, this is technical and fun. And the next class I took... Um, I just started taking everything by that professor and all of her other classes were film classes. So I kind of accidentally got into photography and film, but it definitely became a way of like escaping from painting for me. And I, I feel like that even now, like I did the darkroom full time for a while and I was like, no, I like this to kind of be something that I escape to and kind of like come to for a creative outlet. That's pretty cool though. So it, it kind of in a roundabout way found you inadvertently. Yeah, I think so. I, I like things that are very hands-on and very meticulous. And I feel like, if anything, I enjoy developing film and being in the lab more than I like shooting film sometimes. That's fair. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. the opposite. I, I like the darkroom and everything, but I like shooting a lot more than... Yeah. Um, I think scanning specifically. I really hate scanning. Yeah, scanning 35 on a flatbed is my personal hell, but other than that... <laughs> I, I do like developing film, like do, uh, doing film development is fun. I, I enjoy that. Um, 
Dave says that he can empathize with that Sinadar. <laughs> That's funny, yeah. I love Dave. He's so good. Dave is like he's a real mensch. I absolutely adore that man, and I'm very grateful mm-hmm. to uh, to have gotten to know him. Yeah, and it's it's nice knowing someone else who also runs a little lab, and he's never judgmental. I can come to him and be like, I don't know how to handle this. What are you doing? Yeah, that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the photographic community that I found through like Instant Film Society and, and things like that. It's just everyone is so keen to share and like open and welcoming. And uh, that's really cool to see comparative to like some other um, communities I've seen where they've, uh, some of them are a little more guarded and protected because I guess people feel yeah. threatened about like, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to teach you that because then you're going to like steal money from me or whatever. Yeah, I I don't know what it was, but I definitely felt like everyone was going to be like that towards me when I started taking over the dark room and doing more community events. Um, but it's, it's been the complete opposite. Everyone is so nice and willing to share and willing to help out. That's awesome. Dave said yeah, this. no pretentious uh, photographers. <laughs> well, I mean, there's plenty of pretentious photographers out there. but Yeah, not over <laughs> here, at least, I'm thankful for. <laughs> um, Stanley Phillips says that uh, they enjoy... Printing, but developing is not an enjoyable experience for them. That's fair. It's yeah. not for everybody. And Dave says that he's got to come to Texas sometime to see y'all. Yeah, come to Texas. I miss Texas. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting down there this year. I'm, I'm planning on making it down for Policon this year because I've missed oh, the last yes. couple. I know I've missed the last couple too, but I'm excited to get back into things. But you live in Dallas. How did you miss it? I know. Uh, just too much on my plate, I guess. That's fair. So do you, yeah. do you do a lot of Polaroid then, or is it mostly just, like, uh, film? I feel like I kind of go through phases of what I shoot, and I'll just kind of become really obsessed with, like, one format and, like, shoot it inside and out and then, like, move on to something else. And that's kind of, like, the luxury of owning a dark room is having access to like a lot of fancy stuff that I wouldn't be able to buy otherwise. So I buy a lot of cameras on the company card as a write-off. Um, That's kind yeah. of lucky. It's nice. Yeah. I loved shooting my SX-70. There's a guy up in Denton, Texas who like buys and restores them and he converted mine to 600 and it's like custom skin and it's just like all around a beautiful experience to shoot it. And so, I like, any excuse I get to shoot the SX-70, I will. Zane's really great with that stuff. He's um, He's got a whole grip of my cameras right now that I'm, like, impatiently waiting to get back in my hands. Yeah, we love you, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> Much love for Zane. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> I know that he's been a little overloaded lately because uh, his services have been very high in demand with the popularity of the SX-70s. Yeah. And Speak I of the like devil. Yeah. Hi, Zane. Zane, your ears must have been burning. We were just talking about you. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, what were you saying there? I feel like any time I find a local camera nerd, I have to, like, seek them out. Yeah, Zane's great. And um, I also, I love Armand a lot. I miss that guy a ton. Yeah. I can't wait to get back up to Denton. And hang out and get some nice Tex-Mex and, uh, you know. But you say you buy a ton of cameras on your company card. What have uh, been some of your favorite cameras you've picked up? 
Let's see. The first one I bought on the company card was a Mamiya C330 um, TLR camera. That's a good one. I shoot that one all the time still. I recently bought a Fujika 6. I'm looking at them right now. They're like all in my case over there. But I recently bought a Fujika 69 that I haven't shot yet. I'm just so intimidated by the Texas Leica. Um, I think I tend to prefer smaller cameras. So I also have a Veronica 645. Um, ooh, okay. My favorite right now is the Fujika 645. It's like a rangefinder medium format camera. And it's the perfect travel camera. Well, if you like the six four five, why are you scared of the six nine? It's a, it's just the same, just a bit bigger. I don't know what it is. I shot one roll of slide film on it, and I was like, I can totally um, guess all my settings on this, and it'll be fine. And it looked awful, and I was like, regret. I'm going to put this back. Well, I mean, it's slide film, so. It, it, slide, exactly. slide film's not very forgiving. If you, you, you threw some color black and white in there, you would have probably been exactly. Fine. Yeah, we just got um a Fuji Frontier scanner, and Ooh. I can scan every size format except for six by nine. So it's also been a reason why oh. no one's been wanting to shoot it lately. It's not as easy to scan. That's a bummer because the I, I've got a, uh, the original the GW six ninety um, and. I love that camera. It's it's so. Oh, it's awesome. My wallet hates it because it's just like eight yeah. photos, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> but then, um, what is it? Uh, Cinestill was teasing releasing the four hundred D and two twenty format, which would be mm -hmm. kind of amazing because sixteen shots on there. So that's what I was thinking too. Since I have so many cameras, I usually let our co op members borrow them. And if I see them take, like, really fantastic photos on the camera, I'm like, bring it back. I want to shoot it right now. <laughs> so, like, someone borrowed the 6x9 and make me jealous. <laughs> it's such and a fun camera. And then I want to shoot it. Like, I, I'll be honest. I guess all the time with it. Um, but I don't shoot slide film because, um, I don't know. I'm not meticulous enough for slide film. Yeah. I feel like the only reason I shoot so many different types of film is being able to develop it myself. So what, what have been some yeah. of your favorite films you've developed then? Hmm. I don't know necessarily about favorites, but it's a lot of times seeing so many different types of film come through the lab will encourage me to try out new films. Um, and last year we did a lot of specials, me and Don's photo teamed up, it did like film of the month. So I saw, um, the burger pink girl film. I don't think I ever would have picked that film up unless it was for that special where people started like sending it through the lab a lot. And it's beautiful. I love to like do, um, darkroom printing with the pink girl 400 film. It's just the gray tones are so beautiful. Yeah, I've, I've done one roll of the burger and I really liked it. But um, I think I'm, I've really kind of, um, I get torn between the Ilford um, orthochromatic 80 and yeah, the... Yeah, uh, that one's great too. That one's so cool. And the Ferrania uh, P30. Yeah. I mean, the, the Ferrania I... is kind of a dick though. Why? Because... Um, <laughs> It's just very like 
it's almost kind of like shooting slide film but black and white a little bit so it's like if you're not meticulous with it you'll just get like shitty muddy results but when you do hit it it's just so fucking cool because i think it's um it's one of the highest silver content black and white films that's available so you get these really really rich blacks and like the tones are just really cool with it that sounds beautiful do you ever do black and white printing with an enlarger i have it's been a long time though i used to be part of a thing in toronto uh called gallery 44 and um i did a ton of darkroom printing there and i I just loved it like it was it was a cool thing to be part of because um you paid like a flat fee to be a member every year and then like you would rent the dark room and it was like six bucks an hour to rent the dark room or whatever and oftentimes other people weren't in there so um you just get the dark room to yourself which was always kind of nice so i just like crank up the pixies and um do a bunch of stuff but covid came along and they were like oh covid we can't have people in there and i'm like why we all have key cards and you can like schedule people in. It's not like, but they're like, no, we gotta be safe or whatever. And it kind of chat my ass a little bit because like there's all these other collectives that were like, oh, well, like our members are, can isolate themselves and they can keep them separate. So they kept their collectives going. But the one that I was part of was just like, we want to wait and see what the Canada arts council says about shit. It's like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Like, thanks. Yeah, thanks. But I've got a a studio space now here in Vancouver um, in an old motel that's kind of been kind of an interesting project. But the long-term plan with that is to build a dark room out of the bathroom. So I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, that sounds super rad. Yeah, it's... Sorry, go ahead. No worries. I, I feel like COVID honestly really helped our business. We were always online, contactless, and our members would schedule when they were going to come. So a lot of the other labs shut down at the beginning of the pandemic, and we kind of, like, absorbed their business. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even think about how, yeah, a lot of labs were probably dealing with that. Yeah, a lot of places just closed up, which was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, Dave's asking if you have a 4 by 5 enlarger at the lab. Yes, we have two 4 by 5 enlargers that are up and running right now, a color and a black and white, and then I have four more four by five enlargers in storage that will bring out once I finish my expansion. Damn. Why, why don't you like, so, cause some people might not be familiar with the, with Lone Star. Um, why don't you take a second to, you know, maybe do a little plug in there and like pitch, uh, pitch the dark room. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lone Star dark room is a community based dark room in Dallas. We started out really teeny tiny, but we've grown a lot these past few years. We do film developing and scanning for customers in the area. We also do like restoration work or printing services. But instead of doing darkroom rentals that are hourly, we do a membership program. So people can play a, pay a flat rate fee. It's 65 bucks a month and come whenever they want and do their own film. It's a really nice way to have access to scanners, be able to develop your own film for definitely a more affordable way. That's cool. So that's 65 bucks a month. That includes like being able to use the scanners, being able to use the dark room and the largers and all that. Yeah. It includes access to everything whenever you want. Then you can choose to like bring your own chemistry or you can pay a couple bucks and use what we have here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
Very handy. So how, how many members do you guys have? Like how, how big is the community so far? I have 33 members right now and I have 60 on the wait list. Oh shit. So, yeah. so 33 is like your maximum you can have in there with the space that you have today, basically. Yeah. We just kind of keep growing and growing and growing. Um, we used to be one room that was 400 square feet and you could, um, develop film with one hand, scan with the other. Occasionally the computer would turn on in the dark or you would spill chemistry on something. Yeah. And then we went to two rooms. So we had like our dry and our wet. And then we're currently in a warehouse that, um, it actually is owned by a guy who used to be a Mamiya dealer. So he gave me a bunch of really cool merch, but, um, he let us build our own bedroom in the warehouse. That's so cool. what, yeah, he was like, I haven't had my building occupied in 20 years, but I will for a dark room, sure. Works out well, because who, who wants a dark room when they're building, to be so honest? So he, he's just had, like, a building in Dallas that's been empty for 20 years? Yeah, there's, like, a shower and a pile of Hasselblad cameras and a mattress on the floor. And um, he would come into town and sleep with his cameras. And, yeah. Wild. It was really cool, but... um we've grown a lot inside of our building. We have a couple of years left on our lease, so we'll stay here as long as we can. But I think ultimately there's not a lot of community dark room space in Dallas. And with our wait list being so big, it'd be nice to have our own center. Yeah. So you've kind of outgrown the space that you have right now, but you're sort of stuck a little bit. Yeah. And I have all these people begging to join co-op and, emailing me all the time and people emailing to work here and like stop <laughs> well i mean it's a good problem though to have like popularity like that though yeah when i joined there were only three members so to see how huge it is now and how many people want to be a part of it is honestly really crazy when i bought it i just thought like all i have to do is keep it going i don't have to do anything cool and exciting or grow it at all i just have to like keep it here and I feel like with very minimal effort, it's, like, grown so much. That's got to feel really awesome, though. Thank you. I honestly am overwhelmed. I'm like, all these people want to touch my dark room, but... <laughs> um, Stanley asks, uh, what happened to the place in McKinney? Is that still around? Oh, so there used to be um, Goody up in McKinney. And um, I never went, but I heard it was, like, a chocolate shop and you could also drop your film off there to be developed and I know they were about to um, open up like a community dark room but um, oh okay wait sorry I know about that one Um, Brandy and oh shit I can't remember the name of the other woman that did the podcast but Film Diary of Redhead her podcast partner bought the chocolate shop from the guy um, oh. but he kept all of the camera stuff. So like she just went yeah. into the candy business and he moved away with all the film stuff. So that's, yeah, that's I bought all of his chemistry from him when he closed up and I asked about their equipment, but I heard he just kind of kept it all. They had some family health issues and I think they just kind of like closed it up and tucked it away for a while. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe they'll come back. Yeah. Scott says that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Thank you for confirming, Scott. Sorry, I forgot the other person's name there, but um, 
That's kind of cool. Um, do you do like any workshops or anything out of the space or? Um, we mostly do pretty small classes. Um, for our members, we meet up twice a month and we do like group days where pretty much we all will kind of learn things together or we'll do demos. But then for <laughs> community members that are in our co-op, we do like one-on-one or two-on-one developing classes. So it's really nice to do it small group and hands-on. And it's very aimed at um, doing this at home as cheaply and easily as possible. So I'll use, like, um, during the pandemic, I taught this 13-year-old girl how to develop disposable cameras. And um, she totally does it at home now, all by herself. And she'll come up here and use our little scanner and pay me five bucks, and it's so cute. But most of the time, we do really specialized classes. That's really awesome, though. Yeah, I would love to do some cyanotype workshops, so more alternative printing stuff. Um, I tend to be a little bit intimidated by the photography community, though, and I'm kind of introverted and like to hide in my darkroom studio by myself. So, in- intimidated I'm, how so by the community? Um. Hmm. Maybe just more of me being an introvert or maybe just more of my creative process is very kind of like solo and intuitive and sometimes feeling that imposter syndrome around other photographers like, oh, I don't do this professionally. I turn down every paid gig I get because I'd rather just do my fine art photography work, but I feel like every time someone comes into the dark room, they're like, wow, this is awesome, and this is great, and I want to learn so much. And I don't know why I think people are going to be mean and pretentious, because I've never actually had that experience. Yeah, Maybe I, just more of, like, questioning my, my validity as someone to teach those kinds of things. Like, I'm just a film nerd who watched a lot of YouTube videos and messed up a lot of stuff, and... But I, I think that's how most of these um, these people get their start is like they were just something that you know got passionate about something and tried to like absorb as much as they could about it and uh, and decided to share it with everyone. Yeah, and I I started out by doing mostly like um, events for female photographers in the area and. Every time I would do an event like that, all these women would show up and be like, this is so amazing. We need more things like this. I don't know any other female photographers in Dallas. And just seeing that there are a lot of other people like me out there that maybe were also nervous to go to events makes me want to do more stuff like that. That's really cool. I, I mean, I also kind of understand the imposter syndrome thing a little bit too. I feel that all the time. Yeah, for me, it was like, I'm a 22-year-old business owner, and I don't think anyone's going to take me seriously. But it was, like, not the case at all. I, I don't know if age really matters sometimes with that as much as just, like, actually showing up and, and doing things. Because, like, I know lots of old business owners that kind of suck at it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I learned as well. I think in the film community, there can be a bit more criticism. I'm thinking of like 
our little old lady customers who call and they're like, back in my day, it was only this much money and it only took one hour and just people telling you how things should be. But, um, and you should be like, yo, look up inflation on Google. Yeah. Or let me do I'm it like, for it's you. 2022. <laughs> we have computers now. Things look a lot different than they used to. Yeah, you can't just drive on to the, like the Kodak one-hour photo booth in like the strip mall parking lot. Right. Yeah. Someone texted me like, Walmart does it way cheaper. I'll never come to you guys again. And then I saw their order like the next week because they probably didn't get their negatives back. So Sally says you're basically scared of the archetype of a photographer. That's sad it's like that, but it still happens. Huh. Not really sure on that. I guess more of like um, the meme of like guy with a camera. That's what I'm getting from their comments. Yeah, yeah. And there's tons of that. Like I even get super uncomfortable with like the guy with camera kind of thing. Like yeah, I don't really like it. And And that was something that... I've wrestled with a lot personally when I've wanted to like photograph with people and things like that. It's like, I never wanted to get lumped in as like guy with camera just cause like I'm a guy and I have a camera. <laughs> yeah. And I think honestly, that was kind of my experience in school. Um, it's going to sound awful, but going to art school, I often would feel like the photographers were not real artists. And it took me a long time to like really grow to appreciate photography as an art. Um, and as someone who grew up doing painting and illustration work, it's so labor intensive. I really had to shift the way I think creatively about photography to produce work. And it became a way to like make stuff that I couldn't execute through painting or to make stuff that I couldn't execute like through drawing. I, so I dated uh, this, this like classical painter once and uh, she said, all art is shit. I love that. And it made me feel a lot more comfortable because um, we, we would go to art galleries and stuff, and I'm like, I don't know if this is, like, shit because it's shit or if it's shit because I don't understand it, but, like, this looks like garbage. And she's right. like, no, it's shit because it's shit. <laughs> oh, man. I used to always cringe when I, before I was a full-time artist and I, work like regular people jobs my coworkers would be like oh can I follow you on Instagram and I'm like, oh no because they're like I don't get your art everyone would always tell me like what's it supposed to to mean I'm like nothing it's just supposed to be pretty and cool and self-expression I'm asking you that I the, the what does it mean question is such a weird one like the first time I ever did an exhibition it was like this big group show in Toronto and I got wicked uncomfortable because like all these people were like, so, like, what was your motivation behind the photo? And, like, you know, what does it mean? I'm like, I don't know. It looked cool, and I pushed a button, and it, I didn't fuck right. up. So here it is. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell yeah. you. That's so true. I think that's why I love um, film so much, because you get so many happy accidents where you're like, didn't plan on that, but looks great. Let's go with it. Yeah, exactly. And Jason says, just got to say, that's okay. Not everyone has good taste. <laughs> and he says he worked at SF MoMA painters and illustrators fully look down on photographers that was a fun time being a photographer yeah I, I feel guilty for 
hating photography so long, but um, I'm really grateful that I made it to the other side. <laughs> well, welcome to the other side. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here. Stanley says that uh, they paint, draw, and sculpt, but photography is their happy place. It lets them be perfect or not and not be asked why I did that. Yeah. I think what really solidified photography for me was more of like mixed media types of photography. I really enjoy like making prints and drawing on them or painting on them or cutting them up and just seeing like ways to take it beyond even doing like scanner manipulations, different things like that. It's always fun. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that's really cool with photography too, is like um, being able to do things like that. Like I feel like a creative person, but I am shit at art. Like my art teacher in school basically told me to never take art class ever again, because even <laughs> my awful. like stick drawings look like shit. Like he was just like, yeah. I'm going to pass you so this doesn't fuck you up, but, like, don't take an art class again. It's just not for you. And I was like, oh, but I want to I want to like, I'm going to be a photographer now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't even that. Like, photography, <laughs> it was super silly when I first started doing photography stuff. The very first photo project I did was with a digital camera in 1999 that I borrowed from high school. And uh, I called it a study of consumerism. And I would take the camera and just, like, put it in garbage cans and take a picture, like, flash picture inside of the garbage can. And, you know, the whole idea was you can, like, discover what people are buying by looking at the garbage. And I thought it was, like, ooh, so creative and shit. I do like that, though. I think my kind of misconception was that, like, with photography, you're taking a picture of what you see. And that's all there is to it. But there's so much more to it. Even scrapbook photographers, like, you're creating a memory. And even looking back at, like, old film photos, like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. There's no manipulation there. But, like, the way that you view the image is totally different than maybe the reality of it. And being able to, like, create a story, create a narrative, and or, like, create something you would never actually see in real life is a really beautiful thing about photography. Yeah, it, it really is. Like, there's... My favorite photographs and in photographers are people that are able to be like storytellers with their photos. And, you know, they, they kind of, when you see the photo, it, it makes you feel different things. And so it's like you, you almost get like pulled into that, that photo in that moment and you're interpreting it um, in your own kind of personal way. Those, those are the photos I, I kind of enjoy uh, being able to look at. Hey Naomi Hey says there's so much you can do there's so many dimensions to photography and people miss that but that's not to say that a simple photo is easy not everyone can communicate emotion or moods in their photos good advice Naomi yeah I, I agree with that fully that's that's really solid yeah for all all the people out there that drop like 10 grand on a camera and thinks it makes them a photographer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that out there. Where is it here? Um, Stanley says, art is a lie. Photography is also a lie. It's just hard for people to classify 
with other art because it can be so perfect, but it is still a lie. I don't know if it's a lie. I mean, it's up to your own interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> Jess says, photography blows my mind as an artistically challenged person. <laughs> and Zane said, that's me. <laughs> but I, I do feel like it takes an eye to be a photographer. And I also teach art to little kids. And I feel like all of my adult artist friends are really like looking for a style. Like, how do I find my style? And all these kids just like make stuff in a style without even trying. Like you can recognize that it's theirs. And I think we all instinctively like create and have our own kind of like vision and way of seeing and making things. And you can see it. Like, I, I feel like even though my photography looks way different than my tattoos and my illustrations, you can tell it was made by me just off of like my aesthetic and my eye and my view. And you can see that with other people as well, I think. Yeah, some, some people definitely do find a way to have their own sort of eye and look to it. And that's interesting about the little kids because um, it's really interesting seeing them create stuff because they're not, they're not filled with these sort of like uh, preordained thoughts or like, you know, oh, to be this, I need to be that. Like they're just, they make shit. And it's like, look, I made this. And it's like, it's either yeah. like, really cool or whatever. I love to see the way that it just flows out of them so like effortlessly because I feel like that's where a lot of us come from. But like our creative process has been like refined or changed or become more academic from just like our experiences. And I always strive to like be a bit more like impulsive, like kids are We're like, Oh, can I try this right now? Can I pour glue everywhere? I'm like, sure, do it. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> and I like a little bit of that in photography too. <clears throat> just don't eat the glue. Yeah, I'm like, just, yeah, don't put it in your mouth. <laughs> that, that's good advice. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, there was this series of, like, Canadian PSA videos with these, like, little furry monsters, and they sang this song called Don't You Put It In Your Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, most 80s and 90s kids, if you say, don't you put it in your mouth, instantly think of the song. And <laughs> it's, like, ridiculous. Yeah, you know, they're just like, what, how does it go? Don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you stick it in your face. Because it might look good to eat. And it might look good to taste. You could get sick. Ick. Real quick. <laughs> it's going to be my theme sick. song for art class. Real now. quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... <laughs> if you go on YouTube and just, like, you know, put in, don't put it in your mouth, um, you'll probably find that. Yes, there's a Canadian. Could make you sick, real sick, real ick. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's really cool to see like little kids make stuff. Like it's just wild what they can do without preconceived notions of things. And uh, it's also interesting watching how different they are. Like I gave my niece and nephew disposable cameras the last time I visited them. Um, those Ilford reusable ones. Yeah. And um, my nephew, who's younger, just went ape shit. Like, he was just fucking burning through film like crazy. Um, but his sister, she's a lot more thoughtful with things, and she only did one role. So it's like in the weekend, he shot three roles. He opened the door on two of them, and um, <laughs> you know, she's, she's shot one role. 
Um, but she's already been playing with the camera because I gave her like a DSLR a couple years back. So, you know, she's already like a little photographer kind of thing, which is cool. But that's cool. I love how thoughtful she is about her images as opposed to the sibling that was like, snap, 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 snap. Well, then that's how he was. He was just like, snap, snap, and he's like, selfie. And I'm like, bro, you've got tiny little arms. Like, you're not going to get it. Everything's out of focus. Yeah. <laughs> but surprisingly, most of his shit looked really awesome. And I was just like, God damn. Like, this little kid's a little yeah. photographer and he doesn't even know it. I love when they take photos and the POV is like down here looking up at everything. Yeah. The, so, I just forget that the world is like that. <laughs> and, and that was like when, when I gave Colby a digital camera a few years back. I think she was like five when I gave it to her or something. And we were a little worried that it might be like too much for. But the photos she sent back, it was so cool because it's just like, you know, from like down here, like, you know, the little kid perspective of like all the things, her and her little friends and stuff. And it was just like seeing a completely different world that we don't get to be part of anymore. Yeah. I love showing kids film because it just blows their minds. And I took some portraits of my little cousins on um, my Mamiya C330 and they're like looking through the viewfinder and they're like, can I see the picture you took? I'm like, no, I'll have to show it to you in a week. And they're like, but can't you just go back and show it to me? <laughs> it's like, no. They but, just really can't fathom film. Well, I mean, but that's not a new thing though. That's how we got Polaroid. Yeah. That's the fabled story apparently. Yeah. I, I actually read that recently. Yeah. Was it for Edwin Landay you saw it or? Yeah, where he, like, went on his walk with his kid and wanted to, like, make a picture right then and there. Yeah, well, the kid was like, I w why can't we see the pictures now? And he's like, yeah, why can't we? And then... Yeah, why can't we? He's just like, all right, wifey, take the kids. I'm going to go science some shit up. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Polaroid. Love some Polaroid, though. So good. I do love it. It's I, I'm very grateful that it's something that still exists and that we can enjoy today. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of haters out there for it, but you know, you can't go back to the old days, the one hour photo, and th that was like fifty cents to get things developed and shit. Yeah. So, what's been one of your favorite photo projects you've worked on? Hmm. I guess my favorite one, goodness, I have a lot, but recently I worked on a shoot with someone else. I was a second shooter and they had all the shots planned out. And so it was a relatively easy shoot. Um, but I shot Cinestill 800 and I pushed it to stop in development. And apparently when you do that, it's really common that you can get like static marks on film. And I had, um, static are uh, like perfectly placed on some of my photos like there was we did like dark light with like bright neon colors and gels on everything and one of them had like static going up out of the guitar oh. and it looked like I edited it to be like that but it was just completely an accident someone I think just called you mommy I did a film shoot with Vivian, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're like, um. That's cute. That sounds like a really cool shoot. Yeah, I I feel like going into it, I thought like, oh, this is just going to be like simple, easy, good portfolio work. 
but it ended up becoming something that was like really fun and creative to work on. That's awesome. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to play this thing for you because I forgot that I can do this now with the new setup on the chat. So, um, here's a little bit of, why do you think your mommy or daddy are always telling you, don't put that in your mouth. Let's find out. Don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you stuff it in your face. Don't stuff it in your face. So it might look good to eat. So it might look good to eat. And it might look good to taste. And it might look good to taste. You could get sick. It's kind of awful. Ick. Real quick. Ick. Real sick. Real ick. Don't you put it in your mouth. Uh-uh. Tell you ask someone you love. That's right, sis. Like a muffin or a bee. Like a muffin or a bee. If you don't know just what it is, remember, boys and girls, don't put it in your mouth. Yeah. Always ask someone you love before you put anything in your mouth. I mean, a message from concerned children's advertisers. That is such an insane PSA. I mean, that, that last thing where it's like, always ask someone you love before you put something in your mouth. Yeah. That. <laughs> You're right. Someone in the comments said, like, I'm not going to search that song up. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> going downhill pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think YouTube's pretty safe, but, like, uh, I wouldn't put that in Google. That would be a terrible, <laughs> terrible search line in Google, like. Um, fuck, I remember one time, in, this is like 1996 even, um, we just got internet in my high school, and um, we were in science class, and we were doing some astronomy stuff, and one of the kids got assigned black holes, and uh, oh, no. so he went on the internet and um, typed in, I think it was Alta Vista back then, or ask Jeeves, one of those things. But you know, oh yeah, don't put black holes on the internet. That's just not a good search thing. Whoa, that's weird. Jess says, "Did you know that you can look at anything around you and instantly know what it feels like on your tongue?" I didn't know that. That's. I've heard of. Um many people talking about their professors tasting chemistry in the dark room to know if it's still good. Really? That's what it's making me think of. Yeah. Well, that's definitely something you should not put in your mouth. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had um, COVID last month and I, I really didn't feel sick at all. I totally felt fine. And I was like itching to come up to the dark room really bad. And um, I made sure no one was here and I came up late at night and I, couldn't tell what my chemistry was and usually I'll just smell the fixer and I, I, I couldn't smell it. It was so sad. Oh damn. Cause fixers yeah. got like a very, very distinct smell. Yeah. I was like, is this dev or fix? Let me see if it tastes like salt and vinegar chips. It smells like salt and vinegar chips. No tasting. <laughs> Dang. So I, I've never yeah, tasted Yeah. I had to do chemistry. the clip test. I couldn't just smell it. Um, I've never tasted them, but I, I have worked without gloves and tongs before. Just with black and white stuff, never color. Yeah. I feel like it's like the less toxic of the chemicals you can like coat your hands in. 
Yeah, for me, it's um, the rinse, the soapy rinse. I feel like I always have it on my hands. Oh, I hate the, like, the photo flow stuff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hate the photo flow. That's... I hate it. And I'm wearing sandals in the darkroom today, so it was, like, dripping on my toes. <laughs> like, I hate this. <laughs> I mean, you could probably sell that on OnlyFans if you really want yeah. to. <laughs> Watch photo flow drip on my feet. <laughs> oh, actually, holy shit, that could be, like, a whole niche. Like, <laughs> an OnlyFans geared specifically to photo nerds. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Someone was saying, like, Chris Army all the way. Like, this this could be the way you could, like, you know, have a Chris Army rise up. That's true. It's like, now make sure you have the proper dilution, like a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's me teaching film classes, my co-op members, though. <laughs> like, no, I mess up. <laughs> That's fair. It's been so long since I've done that. I don't even remember the formulas for chemicals. So it's going to be a hard learning curve when I go back, I think, because like, I'm going to be starting from scratch again. I feel like I was terrified every single time I had to mix up chemistry for like a good two or three years there. And I'm finally to the point where like, pretty much muscle memory for me after like thousands and thousands of rolls. I'm like, I probably won't screw this up. Right. It'll probably be fine. Did you screw it up? No, not usually. Occasionally. Um, Jess asks NFT thoughts. What are your thoughts? I'm, on not, NFTs? Really I'm not really involved with NFTs. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of, like, too old for that shit. Like, even the crypto stuff, like, um, I missed the boat on that. I had a bunch of, like, geeky friends back in the day that were like, hey, you should check out this mining thing. I'm, I'm making this Bitcoin stuff in my basement. And I'm like, whatever, nerd. And now they have a ton of money, and I don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're film <clears throat> photographers. It's always going to be like that. Yeah, I mean, oh my god, all of all the money that I've spent on like film and like development and all of those is kind of crazy. Um, NFTs like they just seem like a the, an, another like just scheme or something with it because. Um, they're supposed to be non-fungible, but there's been plenty of people that have proved that that's kind of bullshit because the only thing that you buy is access to a link, but you can change that link at any time. So yeah. you could be like, yeah, someone could like, you know, like Zane said, all of his money is in apes right now, but someone can go and change the link to, you know, I don't know, Cartoon sphincters, and now you all of your money is in cartoon sphincters that probably no one yeah. wants. <clears throat> Where is it? Someone says here, buy all the supply for Leica stonks only go up. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't have any stocks or finances or things like that. I'm yeah. gonna be screwed when I retire. I refuse to sell any of my cameras too. You refuse to sell them? Yeah, I feel like 
with camera prices continuing to go up, I'm just going to hoard them for as long as I can. The camera prices just fucking blow my mind, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, it, it just, it's, it seems criminal, some of the prices where they're at right now. Like, yeah, I, because I look at what I spend on some of my cameras, because I, I bought some of them before hipsters really drove up the prices of all the things. And, you know, some of them have gone up like four or five times. And I'm like, no, that's like a $200 camera. What are you talking about? Like, I walked into a swap meet three years ago and bought a RB67 for $300. That's, that's like wicked. impossible now. Yeah, yeah, like you could probably sell that now for like a mortgage down payment. <laughs> right? I know. I used to be the kind of person who was like always on eBay, always looking at some camera I had to have next. But with prices going up a lot, I'm like not even looking anymore. If a good deal comes my way, I'll turn the other way and buy it because I know I have to. But other than that, I'm like, nah. It's crazy. Yeah, I saw... I was looking on Facebook Marketplace earlier today. And here in Vancouver, someone's trying to sell a Konica Big Mini. Just a fucking point-and-shoot camera. They're trying to get 500 bucks for it. I'm like, yeah, no, that's dumb. I was just like, if someone's actually going to spend 500 bucks on that, they deserve to, like, you know, have their money stolen from them. Cause, yeah. You know, just go buy, like, a fucking disposable Ilford from, like, the grocery store it's whatever. Like, it's just, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I have shot shitty cameras for so long being just a poor student that it's, yeah, it's just an excuse for me. I'm like, oh, how much did you spend on that? Okay. You don't need that. Zane saying that SX-70s are impossible to find at good prices now, even broken ones. Well, I got yeah. more broken ones for you, baby. Get me my cameras back first, though. And Ryan says, Big Mini is the shit. I mean, they're cool cameras. There's lots of cool cameras out there. Like, I had um, a Nikon 35 Ti for a minute because I got all wrapped up in the hype of, like, how sexy those things are. But yeah, it was the most beautiful camera I've ever owned, but I honestly fucking hated it because it sucked to shoot with because the autofocus was weird with it. Like, unless you're really mindful of, like, the autofocus point, you just end up with blurry-ass mm -hmm. pictures most of the time. So I should have hung on to it, though, because like I saw some kids selling one a couple weeks ago at a camera show, and he's asking 1400 bucks for it. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. I, for a yeah. camera that 100% any time now is just going to not turn on. Yeah. And the film community is so invested in this, but I feel like the general public still doesn't, like, realize that film has, like, made such a big comeback. I'm thinking of, like, I went to the dentist a couple weeks ago, and they're like, oh, what do you what do? You do? And I'm in mouth open, like, I developed film. And they're like, what? People still do that? <laughs> they're like, where's your time machine? Where did you come from the past Yeah, then? <laughs> and everyone always feels bad for me. They're like, man, business must suck. <laughs> <laughs> You're I'm like, like nope, we're, we're growing. <laughs> That's kind of like funny. It blows people's minds, yeah. That's wild. So yeah. 
what's like what are some of your most coveted cameras you have then okay we we should take a trip over to the to the glass cabinet okay this rinky dink coca-cola camera has been my favorite one to shoot lately you have to tape the back of it shut so that it doesn't light leak but love the quality that flash is killer someone just left this here and never picked it up that's awesome um, C330s, one of my favorites. I shoot that one all the time still. Um, and then the Fujika 645 is my baby. It has been East Coast, West Coast. Love that one. But yeah, lots of cameras in here that people can borrow. I've shot most of these. Some 35s up here. But it's always a phase. Like, I shot the shit out of that Olympic for probably a good solid year. And then I haven't picked it up in a year. It happens like that sometimes. Yeah. I've always kind of been that way, though. I think just ADHD, I'll, like, hyper-focus on one thing until I've got it completely mastered. And then I'm like, it's boring now. <laughs> You're like, this is so Move over. I'm, I'm over this now. Yeah. I know. I keep hoping that I'm not going to, like get tired of the dark room. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Zane says that his favorite right now is his new uh, Graphlix Super D SLR. It's a fun camera. I've been adapting projector lenses to it. That's wild. Yeah. I love the Olympus XA, and it's a rangefinder, so I feel like after shooting that really heavily, I, I got started on SLR, SLRs, so it was a bit of a switch to go over to rangefinders, but now I shoot my Fujika 645 all the time, and it's also a range focus, and it just feels so easy after shooting that XA for so long. Rangefinders are definitely cool for, for some stuff, for sure. Like, I, I like using them for, like, street photography and things like that. Um, but I, I'll never be able to give up my F5. I, I love that camera yeah. way too much. Yeah. I feel like for more like travel or leisure photography, I like a rangefinder. But whenever I do professional work, I usually have something that I can focus the camera. Yeah, for travel and leisure, I, I, leisure, I still take the F five. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's like a big beastly fucker. Um, right, bye, Zane. Thanks for hanging out. Um, what I usually do with it now is just I have the F5 with just a 50 mil 1.4, and that's what I'll take traveling and stuff. Do you just take the one camera? No. <laughs> I have a formula. I always travel with one medium format, 135, and depending how long we're going to be there, maybe an instant camera. That's fair. Um... So this last trip, because I was in Toronto for a week, and then um, I was in Nashville for a week, and I didn't want to pack too much, so I brought the F5 um, and uh, Leica M3 and uh, Fuji X-Pro2, and then a Polaroid One Step Plus, because Zane still has all of my folding cameras. <laughs> you have to get your SX-70 back. I know. Uh, I would show mine off, but <clears throat> someone asked to borrow it this weekend, and I left them. Well, he's got so he's got two SLR six eighties of mine, 
um, which I'm super excited to get back because when I sent them down for them to do some work on them, I also sent the retrospect uh, clear plastic housings for them. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So he made a silver one for me. So that one's got like just a clear, clear plastic. And then my black one has like a smoked clear. So can't wait to see what those look like. Um, but that's a good formula for travel. Like it's, it's nice to yeah. have a medium format. Yeah, I love it. I'm a small person, so I'm really grateful that I got my little Fujiko 645 because it's the perfect travel camera. I totally brought my Mamiya RB67 on a few trips, and it was, it was so bad. <laughs> I, I've taken the 690 on a few trips, and um, <clears throat> it's just such a big bastard to haul around. It is, and if I don't take a picture, then I hate myself. I'm like, why did I just lug this around all day for nothing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it feels so cool when you're using it. Yeah, right? That's funny. I shot my um, SX-70 at the Texas State Fair for a photo walk, and um, I don't know why this cracked me up so much, but some guy stopped me and was like, wow, is that a really old camera? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay. And I'm like, is that just what people, like, see? It's like, all they see is really old camera? Because for me, I see, like, exactly what model it is, and I see so much more. <laughs> I think for some people, yeah, it's just that. They're like, whoa, that's, like, ancient. My grandma had one of those. Right. Anytime I shoot 4x5 and I pull the dark cloth over my head, people are like, what are you doing? I love shooting 4x5. What, uh, what 4x5 yeah. do you have? Um, we have a couple cameras up here that aren't mine that any of us can use. So we have two 4x5 rail cameras, and we have a, a Chamonix, is that, I think is what it's called. And so usually we'll just um, set them up in our back studio, and we'll do large format portrait days where um, a lot of us will come, and we all take pictures of each other. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't really go out into the field with large format at all. I feel like I'm such a, like a low maintenance shooter. Yeah, large format out in the wild requires some maintenance. <clears throat> yeah, I'm like, I just, I would just want to point and shoot and know that my photos are going to be great and easy again. Do you, um, do you have any 8x10 there or just 4x5? Just 4x5. We do have one photographer who shoots 8x10 and then got a glass um, plate made. I think that's my profile picture in here. The 8x10 glass plate of me holding my guinea pig. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he let me keep the glass plate, so I use it to um, make cyanotype. That's wild. Yeah. It's so crazy to see. Well, I'll have to check it out when I'm down there. Yeah. I'm, I'd be stoked to check out the, um, the 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 dark room too. What part of Dallas is it in? We're actually on Chemical Street, over in the Design District. Where's that in relation to like the State Fair? Um, it's not too far from Fair Park. Did you ever go to Don's Photo? No, I didn't make it to Don's. I went to the other one, um, the imaging Dead place. Camera? Oh. I don't think I know that one. I, I didn't make it to Don's last time, but there was like, there was an imaging place in Dallas. 
that um, one of the dudes that works there was like an he's like an OG Polaroid guy, and he's got like Polaroids from. Oh, like that's way so rad! <clears throat> it, yeah. it was super rad. We're, oh, sorry, we're right down the street from Don's photo, so you could you could double dip. You both okay. of us one day. Well, I do have to make it down to Don Photos one Don's photos one of these days too, because I, I haven't had the chance yet. I ended up just hanging Their out with our mom too much. Is a trip, yeah. It's crazy. You'll have to go. That's cool. Well, I will definitely check that out. Um, <clears throat> sorry, with frog in my throat. Um, is there any interesting projects you've been working on outside of the the dark room or? Um, I feel like my photography slowed down a little bit lately, especially since I've been doing tattooing more full time. Let's see. Uh, honestly, it's nice, though. I like being able to do photo gigs that I want to do and not that I have to do. So I did a lot of architectural photography this past year, all done with that. Now I just keep the portrait. But um Tattoo-wise, I'm going to be um, tattooing at the Dallas Contemporary next month for a pop-up. And I just designed a bunch of temporary tattoos that are going to be released at the Dallas Museum of Art. So I'm working hard, doing stuff in the community. That's awesome. Do you, um, where do you do your tattooing out of usually then? Just pop-ups usually? or? Um, I work at a studio in Oak Cliff. Okay. South of Dallas. About 15 minutes from the darkroom. Sometimes I work both in one day, but I'm not a very focused person, and it's nice to have my two outlets. So today I'm pissed out of the dark room, so let me go tattoo for a while. Or today I'm pissed at tattooing, let me go work in the dark room. That's fair. It's it's nice to have yeah. those like channels where you can go get your outlet somewhere. Yeah, some good balance, and a lot of my clients overlap too. I see a lot of film photos of people that I've tattooed, or I will be working with a client at the studio and they're like, let's talk about film. Where can I buy a film camera? Where can I get it developed? And it's nice to see how much it crosses over. That's wicked awesome. If people want to check out your tattoo work, where could they find that? Um, You can check out all my artwork on Cactus Killer on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. It's been a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Getting to know you a little bit more and hearing about the darkroom and your tattoo practice. And, um, you know, really looking forward to getting down to Dallas and Denton this year for Policon. Hope to see you down there. Well, perfect. I'll see you at Policon this year. Thanks Definitely. for having me. Is there anything you want to impart to the folks before we, uh, we walk out here? Um... Not really. I guess just shoot more film. And if you want to learn, message me. I love to teach people. All right. Well, you know how to find Cactus Killer on the Instagrams. I'm going to play the outro here. Yeah. Oh, man. Tim just showed up just as we're, like, wrapping up. What's up, Tim? (laughs) You're the real MVP. Thank you for hanging out with me. It was so much fun, Chris. Um, next week I'm going to have uh, a guest who I met randomly in Toronto a couple weeks ago when I was there. Um, she had a cool Polaroid. I thought it was neat. We started following each other on the Instagrams and uh, now we're going to be talking about some Polaroids next week. So definitely tune in to catch up with Nicole and you know, stay safe out there. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, hanging out with us. Bye guys. All right, bye. <laughs>